1: Kind of a somber mood here in the full court press. Trying to collect ourselves off the floor. Disappointing loss last night for the Utah Jazz. A third straight game where they could have closed out the series and they failed to do so. Uh, Jazz are going home. Denver's moving on. Came down to a few possessions here and there. To make the difference, but as it has been the last uh, couple games, Jazz failed to close it out. A great performance by Donovan Mitchell, particularly in the third quarter. I thought Rudy Gobert was fantastic in the fourth quarter, but uh, the, the questions are, you know, where do they go from here, and how did that happen after being up 3-1? to one, and having a firm grip on the series, how did it get away? Ajay, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you go through something and uh, you, you deal with it personally, and you think you're kind of getting over it, but then every time you see someone, they want to bring that thing up again. And so just as you think you've kind of moved on, somebody else wants to rip the Band-Aid off and dig in again. Uh, I think it's going to be like this for a little while for Jazz fans.
2: Man, I did not want to do a show today. (laughs) I really didn't. Like, hey, can I ask you, (laughs) would you have rather just lost by 20 and called it a night or lose like you did last night? With Conley's three going like halfway in and then God's like, "No, nah, I'm a Denver Nuggets fan tonight." uh
1: winning in a close or excuse me losing in a close game always hurts worse. Uh, if they would have been blown out, if they the whole game would have gone like the first quarter. See,
2: it would have been disappointing. Though. It would have been
1: really disappointing and, but like, you would have. Been,
2: but yeah, but I wouldn't have came in as somber as I am today. Like, I would have been like, yeah, I'm pissed right now. Like, nobody showed up. Everyone sucked. It's just like games five and six. Nobody wanted to be there. Instead, I get this feeling of like, hey, if we don't turn over the ball here, if we don't screw up here, if the ref calls a foul here, if he calls three seconds on Jokic, it's a different game, and we're playing the Clippers tomorrow afternoon. I have not been this heartbroken about a series loss probably since 09 shut up siri <laughs> f you I mean, oh go sorry shut Whoa. up wow it's hard day eric here's the thing is i would honestly eric i would have rather just got beat by 30 and called it a night and turn off the tv and watch the office for the rest of the game but instead, I I'm I'm just I'm sitting there watching and I'm like, okay, having my dinner and just, you know, watching to watch because I want to watch something. And then all of a sudden they cut it into five and then I get into it. And then they cut it to two and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're gonna win it. Then we take the lead by three and I'm like, Oh, and we have the ball. And it's just but and here's the problem, Eric, is instead of getting blown out by sixteen, we get blown out. I mean, we lose by Two and I nitpick every single thing in the fourth quarter. Every single thing I'm nitpicking at it. Well, if we wouldn't have done this, if we would have done that, we would have won. And that's just not true. Um it, I'm so heartbroken. If one uh, 9315, if it makes the full court press feel any better, Utah State has the best ice cream in the land and go Aggies. <laughs> <laughs> Nine three one five. Thank you. We need a, we you, need we need a glimmer need of sunshine. Could you bring some Aggie ice cream over here so I can eat uh, a quart or two? Um, Eric, w- we, we let's start from the beginning. We get down by sixteen. What did you see?
1: Uh, I just saw a, a, a really active Denver team. Michael Porter Jr. was playing out
2: of his mind. Oh my gosh! It's
1: like here's the third <laughs> option. <laughs> That's just here we go again tearing it up I'm like oh my word just the Jazz just seemed out of sorts like they were too tense they weren't in the right spots it just wasn't really coming together and I thought oh my gosh it, this is the rails are off um, or they're off the rails excuse me uh, that this 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 Denver team has figured out Utah and the Jazz are just out of it. Uh, I I my faith in Quinn Snyder for making adjustments is waning. <laughs> um, hey, did you pick the Jazz to win or lose last night? Um, I picked uh, I picked Denver to win by three.
2: Oh my gosh! Far more points. Yeah, I had Denver one eighteen, Utah one. Hello nineteen nineties basketball. Um, and I agree with you. I think they they, they looked out of sorts. Uh, they looked like their defensive rotations were not rotating at all whatsoever. They weren't making switches. They looked lackadaisical defensively. You saw people cutting to the rim with nobody trailing them. It was just a wide-open look to the rim. Um, and, and a layup by Murray, a dunk by Jokic, a dunk by Grant. Whatever they got, they wanted. And then on offensive side, um, not enough confidence to shoot the ball. Too much passing, which is a weird thing to say. And just couldn't finish at the rim, I like on 80% of their looks. Well, that's
1: what surprised me. There were a lot of bunnies, just a lot of shots right at the rim Rim, that just rolled out. And, frankly, that happened for both teams. Yeah, yeah. It was shocking how many easy looks just rolled out for both teams. And when you look beyond the game itself, we know it was a close game, but when you look a little bit more deeper and just like the numbers and how it played out, I mean, it's a really even game. Utah shot 38%, which is terrible. Denver shot 37%. (laughs) The Jazz only made eight three pointers. Denver only made eight three pointers. Uh, Jazz attempted 34. Denver 31. Uh, Free throws, both made 10 free throws. Denver attempted 13. Utah attempted 15. Uh Rebounds were about the same 48 to 46. Um, Blocks were about the same 4 to 3. Turnovers, 12 versus 10. I mean, there was a lot of things that were just really close, very similar to both of these teams, as we saw. It's like a possession here or there, a decision here or there, uh, that made the difference. That that late inbounds where Royce O'Neal grabs the ball and picks up his dribble. Yeah, and they have to call at half timeout. court
2: by the inbounds line, that was a killer. Did you see when actually that happens? Quinn's not happy. Like, for whatever reason, like, I mean, well, not for whatever reason, excuse me, but for the obvious reason, Royce O'Neal catching the inbounds pass wasn't supposed to happen, and then him picking up his dribble incited Quinn. He was livid. Um, You could tell, I, like, I mean, he was supposed to get Donovan open, never there. I, from what it looked like, I think Joe was the second option, and he never cleared either, or never got out of the way, just never got open. I want to know, Eric, again, for the second game in a row, Why in the heck is Jordan Clarkson sitting on the bench in those minutes? I'll tell you why. Anytime he gets the ball,
1: Denver is abandoning who they're supposed to defend. And they collapse on Jordan. He gets flummoxed. uh, And then he either puts up a bad shot in traffic... Or he tries to get rid of it and turns it over.
2: Isn't he a bigger threat? Well,
1: he didn't have any turnovers, but he 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 makes no. But I get he doesn't you. make he good decisions. And,
2: no, you're right. You're game five and game six. He was like X him all over again, right? Going to the hoop, not sure what to do, getting stuck, and then throwing up a floater or an out of control layup that doesn't even hit rim. But here's the thing: is he's a bigger offensive threat than Royce O'Neal coming to the ball. Like if Jordan Clarkson clears out to the left wing when the ball's on the right side, you're gonna go look at Clarkson, you're gonna guard him because you know he can catch and shoot and hit. Instead, Royce O'Neill comes to it and they're like, Oh, it's Royce. Well let's just double him here. Um, it was great job by Murray of defending, or was it Murray or Harris that got Mitchell on that and beat him up? Harris. Harris. It was a Harris. It was it was great defense. I mean, it was wonderful. But I mean it's I just, in fact, you know what, actually thinking about it, and I think um, Joe was inbounding the ball. He wasn't, that's right, he was inbounding, and I think he was looking for Donovan, and he had to settle with Royce, but you could tell Quinn wasn't happy with that. The Another play I think about, Eric, is on the pick and roll with uh, Conley and Gobert, and Gobert rolls with his front side showing to Conley, and Conley doesn't even look at him, and Gobert is wide open, I mean wide open. And then Conley dribbles the ball off of his foot. And then the second time they run that same exact play, Conley this time feeds Gobert for an alley-oop and a dunk. Should have been an and-one because he got clocked in the we face by Conley. But smacked Plumley. in the face. But, um, I mean, it's just it, it's simple stuff like that where, again, if it's a 16-point loss, I could care less. Everything went wrong. But in a two-point loss in a game like that, in that fourth quarter, you're looking at every single doggone thing and that it's just a case today. Uh
1: 9835 texts in. I thought the Jazz became way too predictable in the second half of the last few games. Ball was going to Donovan or someone was casting up a three, but the number of threes
2: made went down over. Absolutely. Time. 9835 brings up a great point on two on two points actually. One um becoming predictable. Like they found out that if it's Donovan on a screen and roll Donovan's gonna one, go to the hoop or or two, trace his step back and try to pop a three. If it's Conley, Conley's gonna go to the hole and look for Gobert. They knew it both times. They knew it coming. If it was Clarkson, Clarkson was gonna try and step back and hit a tray. Like they just they figured it out. I mean, they watched enough film, they'd seen enough. And then the other thing is on the threes, I think if I'm not mistaken, and I believe nine eight three five is right, their percentages, Eric. It either stayed even or went down from games 5 through 7 yeah that's a good question
1: I can uh, I can look at that it was not good yeah. in game 7 only 23%
2: from 3 and they the got Jets. some great looks didn't they I mean there were some really good looks and again there were some looks passed up I think mean, O'Neal passed one up Joe Ingles passed a couple up Donovan even passed one up Mike Conley passed a couple up as well one of them in the corner um hey and I'm Wondering, really quickly, and it, and I don't know if our listeners know this. If you do, text in at 435-339-0321, or you can call in at 435-752-1069. Did they show a full-court view on that, on that final play, where after the layup, and there's so much to get in on that possession, but just quickly, on that full-court play, was Donovan open? Like, where was Plumley at? Like, if could you... And I know, like, the clock's running, and you're not even thinking about it, but if Mitchell was, like, five yards of space, he can catch and shoot. Maybe even catch, set his feet, and shoot. I wonder how open he was on that play. And you saw, as Mike Conley's driving on the far side, Don with the hand, Donovan with his hands in the air, um... Yeah, I just wonder how open Mitchell was on that play. I don't know. Any- you know but you know what? With only seconds remaining, yeah, Connolly's just
1: looking at the clock. I'm with you. i with you. He's zeroed in on the shot clock, yeah. or the game clock. It's winding down. He no, knows he's, he's, still he's just, just trying to get look. in range and to get it off. Still he's got not good- scanning the court the to way, see who's available. Who
2: was it that stuck their arm out while Connie was going towards and tried to intentionally foul when they had no fouls to give? Uh 3486, Eric. Why did they try to foul out Jokic? He has five fouls with five minutes left. He was one he was the one killing us. Donovan was open, but Conley had a guy in front of it not able to pass. Got it. Okay. That makes sense too, actually. And it looked like one of the guys tried to intentionally foul him to stop like a, like an open path foul almost. And if that he would have done that, Conley's shooting free throws. So I don't know what the crap that guy was thinking, and he probably got away with it. Um you know, but he brings up a great point. Um, why did they try to, or why didn't they try to foul out Jokic? He did have five with five minutes left, and they just stopped going to the rim. You saw a lot of tired legs. it well, seemed like
1: Rudy was at the rim. Rudy made plays at the rim. Yeah, but they, but weren't, they call- weren't going they at weren't, Jokic, and they weren't. I think that's an important it. distinction.
2: And and another thing, I, maybe three or excuse me, three, four, eight, six. You can help me out with this, but it didn't seem like they were making any calls. Either. Like this was nineties pure playoff basketball. Oh. Unless your eyeball is hanging out of your eye socket, it's not a fact.
1: <laughs> well, O'Neal hit the deck multiple times oh, yeah. hard
2: yeah. and never got a call, yep. which just blew my mind. And I think well, and, and I want to make sure it, it, it kind of went both sides. I, I feel like it was more in favor of the Nuggets, but it was just game seven and they were not calling anything.
1: I think there's something to that. The refs didn't want to be the ones to have to decide the
2: game. Yeah. Which, are you okay with that? I mean, or would you no. rather see, hey, look, call it tight. It's game seven. Call it tight. Make sure it's, and, and I mean, always you want it to be fair, but call it tight.
1: Um, I, Where do you stand with that? I prefer letting the players determine their the, own fate. Okay. But at the same time, if a guy's getting thrown to the floor.
2: <laughs> or gotta, if Rudy Gobert got a in that. the face, call it.
1: Yeah, I mean,
2: some things you gotta let go in a game seven. You know what? But three, four, eight, six again. I I love the point about Jokic. He was killing us. In fact, I, what was the one where he's standing in the key for maybe nine seconds? Got a pass. Did about four pivoted around
1: like five or six times. Yeah,
2: and then he's like, "Okay, I'll shoot it." And like the ref didn't blow his whistle. They'll blow a whistle when Donovan Mitchell's bringing the ball up the court for eight seconds, but they don't want to blow a whistle when Jokic is in the key for ten. But that but dude some of those shots that freaking Jokic hit were stupid. The floater that he had, the turnaround hook shot that he had. Uh 3486 is totally right. Jokic was just murdering us. Well, Aw. that's
1: just it. The uh, uh, Murray was hurt. Uh he was jumping off his off leg, landing funny. His shot was not doing anything. And Jokic stepped it up. He was that really really good second option. Uh Gobert tried to do what he could as a second option. Yeah. But there needed to be – he can only do what people get to him. He can't create on his own, and uh, Jokic can. That's the big difference between mm-hmm. he and, and Jokic. So the Jazz needed that – really that third option out there, that other creator, and it just wasn't consistent. Connolly had looks. He had options. Well, I felt so bad oh, for him. just
2: wouldn't go Dude, in the hoop. He has not won a game seven in his career. He's all for 4 now, by the way, and he went – what? Did he go – I saw a stat that he went two of thirteen. Is that right? Do you have the numbers? Because uh, if he really Mike went,
1: Connolly was two of thirteen. That
2: makes me sick. I feel so bad for him. And then that three, Eric, the freaking three was in and out. I mean that. Oh, I I thought I I jumped off my couch, screamed because I thought it was in, and then it rims out. I mean, doggone it. And the other question I want to know from our listeners this the answer from that and what their opinion is. Donovan Mitchell turns over the ball, gets it, you know, slapped out of his hands, and we're going the other way. What the fetch was Jamal Murray thinking, pushing it up the court? Take the foul. Okay, that's that's shoot good. the freebies. Why not? You get a chance for a layup. No, go for four. You don't get a chance for it's a, a layup. A layup. No, you're right you there. You don't get a chance for a layup. A, you're the star scorer on this team. Take the foul. Shoot the freebies. Run the clock. Instead, you you honestly, Jamal Murray, as good as he was in this series, was this close. Him and Craig were this close to being the biggest disasters maybe ever in playoff history of just <laughs> dumbness. To run the court. They got and, so lucky. Yeah, they got bailed out by the rim because he misses, and you're right, Craig misses a wide-open give-me. Why are you even passing him the ball? Well, first of all,
1: uh, I think that... Um and that was in traffic. Why not
2: dribble it out the, dribble out the clock? Yeah, dude. Okay, so do you remember Kyrie Irving in 2016 Game 7 of the finals where he, for some reason, instead of running the clock, goes to the hole on a one-on-three fast break, gets his shot blocked, and instead of letting it go out of bounds for some inexplicable reason, goes to save it and then like saves it over to a cle- I mean, it was just stupid on Kyrie's part. Jamal Murray was that close from screwing it up for the Nuggets. You take that ball, stop it, and you run some clock, take the foul, you're going to hit the free throws. I mean, if you make one or two, it's a three-point game. Instead, you give it to Craig on a layup, and then he misses it. Like (laughs) People are yelling at Craig. I'm yelling at Jamal like, what the heck are you doing?
1: Uh, So you had asked earlier about three-point percentages.
2: Yes, please. So I've
1: gone through game by game Okay, through the whole series. And this Uh, is for Utah, right? This is for the Jazz. Okay. Game 1, 34%. Game 2, 45%. Game 3, 48%. Game 4, 48%. Game 5, 47%. Uh Uh-oh. Game 6, 50%. Then Game 7, (laughs) 23.5%. They
2: were shooting it well from beyond (laughs) the arc, this series. Oh, why did you have to tell me that? They went from 50 to 20. Oh, man. And they got some good looks. They got some good looks. Um, I'm not gonna I just saw a text from 9315. I'm we're gonna get to that question. We'll read your text and get to it later on. Yes. Because there is a lot to unload on that. Um, but again, I'd love to know like Jamal Murray going to the hoop like that with seconds left instead of just taking the foul and giving the Or just play a keep away. Let
1: the clock run out.
2: No, you just keep the ball and shoot the like look, you're the score, you're the man. You take that ball, you keep it, you you run the clock, and you take the foul and hit the free throws. It's a four-point game. This game's over. Uh, Instead, you give the Jazz a chance to, oh, and Mike Conley shot, my goodness gracious. That thing was halfway in. How does that, how heartbreaking is that loss to you? Or is it like, you know, we've had worse. We've dealt with worse. You know, but I mean, it's been a while since I felt like that. I mean, losing to the Rockets in the first round last year, I kind of saw it coming, to be honest with you. Yes. Losing to the Warriors um, I, I, after we beat the Clippers in game seven, I saw that coming. Like, everybody knew that was coming. I was a 4 0 sweep written all over it.
1: But I'll be honest. Th- going into this series, I, I thought it, Denver has beaten Utah three out of three times when they played them in the regular season. Uh, it should be an interesting series, but I think Denver's probably gonna win. And then we go through four games and Utah's up three to one. <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah, let's get this thing done. <laughs> and now they have it have them lose the way they did, it's it's really frustrating. Because it's uh one of those situations where you know the team could have won. They could have knocked it out and advanced, could have done it several days ago. And it didn't happen. And so, there is that sting. There is that disappointment and frustration that is yeah, is different
2: now than before the series even began. And see, we're, everybody's going to look at Game 7, right? And say, you know, Denver clinched with Game 7, obviously. I'm with you. We talked about it yesterday with AJ. Game 5 is where they lost it. When you're up 15... Third,
1: third quarter, a, and you're eight, cruising, nine minutes to go.
2: That's then, what determined the series. And then you salsa and just... I mean, you put the brake on the gas, and you fall behind, and you never recuperate. You never, ever find your mojo again. Eric, they didn't find their mojo offensively. They definitely lost it defensively, and you lose three straight Get ga- That is sickening. Three straight closeout games. Do you know what? By the way, how many teams have done that now? Because I know before it was like single digit, but now I think what?
1: Uh, I think they had it on last night. I think there's been 12 teams overall in the history of the NBA playoffs who have come
2: back from being down. But there's been three in the last five, four years because Golden State did it to Oklahoma City the same year Cleveland did it to them in the finals. And that was the last time it's been done. Yeah. That was 16, 2016? Yeah, yeah, because LeBron James won it. Yeah, It just makes me sick, man. Like, it just sucks. And, you know, I, I, th- I think the only silver lining I get out of this, and I know it's a really crappy silver lining with threads just falling off left and right, is that, one, guys are going to go back home with their families. I mean, Mike Conley just had the birth of their baby kid, and he finally gets to go home. Joe has been missing his family. He's been very vocal about that. He gets to go home with their family. Um, And then the other silver lining is we don't have to get our trash kicked by the Clippers because I guarantee <laughs> you that Clippers team, who's been sitting in their hotel room, and just watching film and studying what is going to mop the floor with either Denver, or I really think that, with Denver or Utah.
1: Because the Jazz struggled against a team that doesn't play very much defense. And, and yes, they're going to be facing a team who licks its chops you about down. playing
2: defense. And they're deep too, Eric. They're extremely yes. deep on the bench, and it's just it's an exhausting thing to have to go through. Um, those are only two silver linings. If there's any other silver linings to our wonderful listeners, please let me know. But that's all I got for you. <laughs> I'd love to still get
1: your reactions to Please, the yes.
2: series overall, uh, the season overall now that
1: it's concluded for the Utah Jazz. And where you think they go from here? 435-339-0321. That's 435 435- three three nine
0: zero three two one here on the full court press it doesn't matter who you root for the full court press has all the high school sports covered the full court press connect with us on facebook twitter and online at 1069 thefancom mm-hmm. okay.
1: Eric Franson, Andre Salveson, Utah Jazz season is done. Season's over. Playoffs are over for the Jazz. They do not advance. Do not pass go. Do not collect your two hundred dollars. Uh, tough loss last night against the Denver Nuggets. Hard fought. Throwback. <laughs> uh, late eighties kind of a contest. Uh, a lot of defense. Physical guys hitting the deck. Uh, teams struggling to score. Two big men battling it out on the post. That was a throwback for a lot of reasons. Uh, But the Jazz, uh, they don't get it done. Um, Their best quarter was the third quarter, scoring 24 points. that got them back into it. Uh, Both teams struggled offensively in the fourth. Donovan was electric to get the Jazz back into it. And then fourth quarter, he just looked like he was out of gas. He was not... And I can't fault him. I mean, he didn't have a lot of energy on the defensive side. He was trying to check uh, Jamal Murray a lot. Uh, Jamal Murray was hurt, so he wasn't quite as electric as we've seen in this series. Uh, But Jokic turned it on and made a big difference late. Uh, I thought Rudy Gobert had a great fourth quarter. 19 points, 18 rebounds, two blocks. Uh, And uh, the offensive contributions... From Rudy Gobert have really improved and impressed me here in this postseason. Where I I was critical of him earlier that he's a nice defensive player, but how much does he really help the team offensively? Yeah, and I think that he's been working to rectify that and show that he can be an offensive force. So, but it leaves us with questions about you know where do the Jazz go from here? We'll get into that a little bit. With who's uh, under contract? What does the roster look like, you know, or could it look like in the future?
2: I mean, I think you got to trade Donovan, <laughs> trade Donovan and Rudy, and try to get the number one draft pick for Jimmer's twin.
1: Let's find a lot of young talent in uh,
2: Charlotte. <laughs> oh man, or New York. You know there there there's are some pretty interesting ways you can you can help this lineup, um, and still make it work within the bank. So. Yes. Yeah, we'll get to that in a little bit.
1: Uh, so let's hear from Donovan Mitchell. These these are his comments after the loss last night and after the series has uh, come to a close. Hey, Donovan. I'm sure that you're feeling a lot of emotions right now uh, after such a tough loss. Uh, I'm wondering if you could take me through just that final play and seeing Mike's shot not go down. We saw you go down to the floor after that for a minute.
3: Gary kind of jumped out. It was fun. I didn't know where he was, and um, he made a play. And then um, Mike made uh, they missed the lip, and Mike came down, and it looked good, man. But sometimes it's just is the way it works. Uh, yeah, that's credit to them. They made a play. Credit to Jokic for making the hook shot. Um, yeah, we fought hard and came back, man. I. I I go to war with any one of these guys in the locker room, any one of these coaches. Uh, We could have easily chalked it up in the first half and said, well, you know, we have grit and fight. And uh, that's all you can really ask for um, as a whole. And, um, yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, Next question will come from Jonathan Scott, TNT.
3: Everything that's happened in the bubble, as the journey comes to an end, what's your last words on your experience here in the NBA bubble? Um, the NBA did an incredible job. It's doing an incredible job of, of again yeah, allowing us to, to finish out the season, and give fans exposure, and us to get our message out. Um, that being said, um, the pain that's on my face right now and the way I feel, I can only imagine what's. What's going through uh, these victims' families, and I, I I know I'm probably gonna go back there and cry again and shit, but uh, I just want to look around and just say, look, man, like this is a game. Um, people lost their family members to police brutality and, and racism and shit, and I can only really imagine. Uh, so I want to say that I want to get that out there because the way that I'm me, the way that I'm feeling right now is, is nothing compared to that. And I appreciate the NBA and everybody in this league for continuing to push that message because it's not, not, not stopping. Um, I just wanted to say that um, whether we won or lost, that was going to be the first thing I said, I forgot to say, I should have said it, but yeah.
0: Okay. uh, Next question we'll have from Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune.
1: Donovan, just uh, in in the wake of that, how disappointing is it that
2: um, this is a team that seemed to make strides during the season, difficult season, very up and down, a lot of things that you guys went through, and you come that close to advancing
1: to the second round only to fall that short. Just what are the emotions that are going through
2: your mind right now?
3: Shouldn't even admit in this situation. Um, That's where a lot of the emotion comes from. Um, there were certain so many things we can go to as a unit, and I think that's what hurts the most. Uh, we can go to my eight-second violation in Game One. Um, we can go to blowing a fifteen-point lead in Game Five. We can go to not being ready to play, not matching their level—I should say, excuse me—in Game Six. Um, but yeah, like there's so, there's there's so many things that I just feel like we could have did. Um, and we didn't. And I think that's just where the hurt really comes because quite frankly, I don't, I, I, I give them credit, but I feel like we, we kind of eased off the gas um, in game five. Um, and we've never really been in this situation. It comes with experience as a whole. Um, we have guys that have been experienced as a whole. We haven't been there as a unit and that's on us. And, but I just didn't think that we should have been in games that we had, we had multiple opportunities to be, to put them away. And they capitalized, and they're they experienced. They've they played, played in game sevens. They played in times like this, and I got to give them credit. But there's certain things that you look back on. And you could have definitely capitalized to not even be in this position. Um, but we'll fix. It.
0: All right, next up, Mark Spears, who's there with you.
3: Kind of, how do you, proud are you about the message that you've used, the way you use your platform over these, these two months? So, how proud of the way you use your platform over these two um, I'm very happy. I think the biggest thing is continuing to, to, to push, continuing to, to voice, user voice and use um, a voice. And at the end of the day, we came down here for a reason. Thank you. Um, we came down here for a reason. And um, obviously to win a championship, but to, to spread the message, we stop playing and, and continue playing because we want to continue to preach our message, not just for the game. But uh, I'm I'm very happy with the way things went as far as being able to come back on the floor and, and the NBA and, and the owners and us agreeing on certain things. And I, I hope this this as these playoffs go, as everybody watches, we continue to push what's really needed in this world, man. And um, I've 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 told you, Mark. I've I've seen both sides growing up and going to private school, uh, being a predominantly own, predominantly white school, being a really don't black kids in the school. I've seen both sides. I told you during the week, I had to be one kid, and on the weekends when I was playing, hey, it was a different kid. There's was two Americans, and I felt like I used my voice to, in the best way possible, and I'm gonna continue to do that when we go home. Um, and I just implore and encourage every, everybody that's here. They've been doing a great job just to continue to push. The more these games escalate, the more uh, to get closer to the finals and to the finals, I hope guys continue to to use their voice because people are listening. Things are starting to turn. We just got to keep keep
0: going. All righty. Uh, Tony Jones, The Athletic.
3: I, know, I know this is, this might be a loaded question, but – how do you guys go from being a 50-win, really good team, you know, year after year to, to being a contender? What,
0: what has to be done? And, and do you think that some of that is on you uh, individually?
3: I want to get Bowie? I'm back. Um, I want to say I'm proud of everybody in this locker room because, to be honest with you, nobody picked us to even be in this situation. Um, we had pictures of what everybody, every reporter Every single one had nuggets in four, five, six, uh, one or two had them in seven. We saw it, we used it as fuel. Um, and to do that without our second leading score, guys stepped up, guys made plays, getting um, on back could definitely help. Um, I think take my game to another level, um, being able to play both ends of the floor, you know, which I received a lot of, I feel like that was the reason why I was drafted to play defense. Um, that was, that's why I was picked. I wasn't picked to do all I've been doing, and I kind of evolved into that. But conditioning, continuing to get my, my body right for that next level, um, continues to build chemistry. Um, we went from being an unsalvageable team about three months ago to, to this, and I don't think anybody, anybody outside of us expected that. And I'm happy with the way we played. Um, obviously not the result, but look, man, like, we, we got things that we know we can fix. And like I said, we felt like we kind of gave certain situations where we had control of the series, and we let it get out of hand. And if you would have told us before coming here, we would have had control of 3-1 of the series without Boyan. Um, not to say I would have thought you were lying. I have belief, faith in us. But, you know, it, it was something that just didn't seem – I guess a team like that, too, it just didn't seem as, as, as real as it was. And we got down here, we worked, and everybody locked in, from the rookies to the coaches. Um, we just got to do just – do more um, and when Bo young coming back, uh, I'm not putting everything on Bo Young, but like with him coming back it's another weapon. And um, this won't happen again. Um, yeah.
0: Okay, a question from Taylor Rooks, Bleacher Report, who's there with you? Hey, Donald.
3: Um I know you walked us through the final play and what was going through your head then, but once that was over, you were on the floor for a bit. Can you walk me through the emotions that you felt on the ground I'm in shock um, that was really it you know I think the biggest thing was you we worked so hard as a, as a unit as a whole to, to get to a point that we got to and we were this close you know it's we, we were down and came back and, and fought and, and, and fought and clawed and to be that close um, that hurts And I didn't really know what else to do I was exhausted um, just kind of just laid there. Um, I don't know, man, I just, that shit sucks. Um, it will be in my mind for a long time. And um, it kind of reminds me of last year, going for 23 from the field. I kind of fueled my entire season. Um, game five against Houston in Houston. It fueled everything I did this year. Um, it's just another thing. Oh, (laughs) actually, I'll be back. We'll be back.
0: But that's that's really what that was. Okay, Ryan Miller, KSL. For
1: now, what have you learned about yourself and your team having to gone through this seven game series?
3: Ready to fight through anything. Um, that's one thing I've learned about this team, and that's always been the case. It's, it's it's a character thing to come back the way we did and to fight the way we did. We we're ready to compete through anything. Um, and myself, there's certain things I can't lie to you. I kind of I kind of was surprised a little things that I, I've done and accomplished, but it's nothing that I haven't worked on. Um, there was criticisms of what I could do on the offensive end and defensive end. And I feel like I have took a step in that the right direction. Um, like I said, this won't, This isn't the last of it. This is me scratching the surface. Um, I know what I can do. I know what I worked for. I know how hard I work and I know how hard this team has worked and um, this won't be the end of it. And that's, that's, that's one thing. I, and that's really what's feeling me because this ain't it. like this ain't the end. This ain't, this is just the beginning, man. Um, this is just the just the beginning, and um, I'm ready to go hoop again right now. Um, I think we all are, you
2: know, but this is just the beginning. So there's Donovan Mitchell. I'm ready to go hoop right now,
1: and he says uh, this is just me scratching the surface. Oh, jeez. He said that the his performance in Game 5 against Houston which was not good fueled him in the offseason and much of this season. He said he's going to use Game 7 against Denver to fuel him for the future next season. Here's a guy that continues an impressive trajectory. Everyone in America knows who he is. Uh, he's achieve things that few have been able to achieve at his young age. The future is bright for Donovan Mitchell, if he, especially for the Utah Jazz, if he stays in a jazz uniform.
2: Well, the, if the reports are correct and they're true and it looks like they are, he's going to be in a jazz uniform for a lot longer. So that's good news. We'll, uh, we'll take that. Um, how, about the, how about the comment that uh, they took every single reporter, jazz, of the jazz, and put it in their locker room because they had him losing. Nuggets in four, Nuggets in five, Nuggets in six. He says one or two had him in seven. Oh, jeez. Don't think, don't think they keep the receipts, guys. They keep the receipts.
1: <laughs> They're checking. They're checking. A couple other things that stood out to me in Donovan's comments. Um, he's excited to have Boyan back. As he should be. Boy, he, he... Said,
2: he said not to put it all on Boyan, but that's going to be a weapon no. for us when he's Do... back. Do... Does this series end differently if Boyan's on the court? Yes. Me too. Yeah, me too. I, I mean, it just no it changes the rotations, changes the depth, changes everything. Like, it really does. Changes defensive pressures. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, and then the other thing that stood out to me from what Donovan said, uh, he talked about his team's chemistry. He said this was a team that was, as he said, unsalvageable three months ago.
2: And when going he's,
1: until and then now going to a game seven against the number three seed. Well,
2: and when he says Rest. unsalvable, he almost kind of he he quotes the Athletic for like, hey, you guys said this was unsalvable. So according to you guys, it was unsalvageable, and now we're here in the bubble, and we're as close as possibly could be, and we're heartbroken as teammates and for each other. And um, man, he is gonna be one fiery competitor. Uh, well, he is one fiery competitor. But you can imagine, like, the what the last two years have ended, how they have ended in the playoffs. Um, You think about the great players in the NBA. Dwayne Wade's been through it. LeBron James went through it, definitely. Michael Jordan went through it. Um, Those guys weren't awarded NBA Hall of Famers at the early start of their career, like Larry Bird was, like Magic Johnson was. Those guys didn't have that. Donovan Mitchell doesn't have that. So, um, uh, you know, if, if timeline speaks correctly and if history can repeat itself, Donovan's in for a very, as you said, um, as long as him and the Jazz can, it can work things out and his corner reports, looks like they have, could have some great, great things on the horizon.
1: All right, let's take a quick timeout here in the full court press and what things need to happen for Donovan to have that level of success. He can't do it all on his own. We've seen some great players pull along teams with them, but if he has a great supporting cast, then they can go really far. So what do the Jazz need to do In the future, what weaknesses got exposed that the Jazz need to correct here on the offseason? We'll discuss that next on the Full Court Press.
0: Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan.
1: Eric France and Ajay Salveson. Hey, before we continue with Utah Jazz, uh, some somber news coming out of Utah State University. Uh, Brian Sweet, great football player, uh, played linebacker in safety for the Aggies. Uh, Gary Anderson was always very high on him. Uh, he's been uh, battling cancer for a little while here, and apparently he has just passed away. Uh, in a statement from Gary Anderson, quote, I have no words to describe how I'm feeling. Brian's family, friends, coaches, and teammates have lost a great one far too soon. He was an integral member of this team and of Aggie Nation that impacted the lives of all he came in contact with, both on and off the field. He embodied everything that we want an Aggie to be, and his example of positivity in the face of adversity will live on. Our hearts are with his mom, Wendy, and with the sweet family at this time of tremendous loss. Close quote. It's too bad. Um,
2: yeah, he... it sucks. Um, did you say he was battling cancer? Was it cancer? Is that what it was that he was battling? Or Yes. Yeah. Um, that's tough. So uh, thoughts and prayers go out to the family and loved ones. And, uh, you know, I, I spoke with uh, Brian Sweet only once, and he was extremely professional, polite, courteous in his time um and was truly a professional and uh couldn't uh couldn't think of him enough for that day and uh yeah hard times uh hard time and again we uh our thoughts and prayers got to the team and the uh the coaching staff and those who knew him and the family and loved ones so
1: yeah it's a yeah sad story uh unfortunate um always sad to see someone go when they're young um but uh, Aggie family kind of rallying around, and there are lots of former Aggies sharing some of their uh, memories of Brian on social media in uh, in line of the news. Uh, to the Utah Jazz, this is a team that was up three to one, couldn't close it out. Uh, this is also a team that at times looked like they could be in the regular season in the hunt for the number three team in the West. And at times maybe even challenged to be the number two team in the West. But then things started to fall apart earlier than I think we really understood in the locker room. Uh, and then everything that happened with the, the coronavirus shut down. As uh, uh, Donovan alluded to, people thought this was a, a – a locker room that was unsalvageable. But they came together, they worked it out, and they competed hard together. So the question now is, this team was a sixth seed in the playoffs. Where do they go from here to be better and to challenge to be among the best in the West? And I think, Ajay, we have to start with who is under contract coming back whose contracts are expiring? And then the next question is, do you take the effort to resign those that are expiring? And do you keep the ones that are already under contract or do you try to use them to find other players to upgrade the, the big one? Uh, well, a couple of the big ones is, uh, Jordan Clarkson, is, uh, has an expiring contract, about $13.5 million. Uh, the other expiring contracts, uh, Jeff Green, well, he's already moved on, Emmanuel Moutier, and that's pretty much it. Uh, George Niang has a non-guaranteed option for next year.
2: Yeah, uh, so before we go any further, uh, reports are saying it looks like they've almost been nearly confirmed that Donovan Mitchell... Uh, will be offered. Now, he still has a year left on his rookie term deal, but he will uh, will finalize a max contract extension with the Utah Jazz. He can't do so, Eric, until the free agency is opened, but now come in October. But when it does, Donovan Mitchell will become um, a max player and extended with the Utah Jazz, which gives him another, what is it, four or five years, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. So,
1: yeah, Donovan is
2: making 3.6 million this year. He'll get 170 over the 4 years. Next
1: um. year, he's got a little over 5, about 5.2 million on his contract. And 21-22, he has a qualifying offer that would put him at about 7.2, and that's now, when they can extend.
2: He- Wait, what do you mean that's when they can extend? Is that what I mean it's like when the extension starts? is that what you're saying yes okay sorry i I missed her. just want to make sure I heard you're right um yeah, so the and with the max contract that loads into about hundred and seventy million based on incentives uh awards that he's gotten whatnot and so forth, and so he's gonna be a very rich basketball player as he should be in just his fourth year, Eric, his fourth year, and he's gonna be making a ton of money. But not only that, you look at it, and as you mentioned, 21-22, it's when, uh, when the rookie deal comes to a close. So you add on another four, um, and that you, keeps them here till 25, 26, 27 season. 26 season, I should say. Um, that's huge. That, that's great. The question then becomes, Eric, uh, the Utah Jazz are not a luxury tax penalty-paying team. They don't like to be in that regard. But Dennis Lindsay said before the season started that if, they, if case need, needs be, they will hit the penalty for, um, to make their team better. Mike Conley is due $34 million in the 2021 season. Rudy Gobert will be a Supermax player at the end of the year simply because he's an All-NBA player. He just needs to make the All-NBA team and he's a Supermax player. I would definitely assume that's where he's going to be. So with that case, as a Supermax player, not only does Donovan get the 170 mil, but Rudy Gobert is going to be looking at something a little bit richer by about 40 to $50 million. Again, this is where the penalty comes in. You got Bogdanovich who will get 17 next year. Joe Ingles, and I thought Joe Ingles' contract was up this year. It's not. He's still got two years left on it. Two years left, right, Eric? Honest Joe, con- uh,
1: yeah, he's in, under contract through the 21-22 season so
2: did he get a different extension then because he,
1: he got an extension and then
2: Royce O'Neill got an extension okay okay so that's why I'm okay uh, okay I remember him signing the 60 million for a year but I know he had it on yeah Royce is making 1.6 this
1: this year and he'll move up to 8.5 next year
2: okay so we're gonna talk about players we can keep I know we only got two minutes we gonna have to run into this segment on the next hour Eric I'm sorry but players you keep Mike Conley yes or no I think you do, especially the way he was playing Amen. before the
1: break, and the way he was playing in the bubble and the playoffs. I think the Jazz keep him.
2: Rudy Gobert. Obviously, yes. Yes. Going on about Johnny obviously yes. yes. Uh, Jordan Clarkson, do I've, you keep? Do you expand the thirteen mil?
1: Uh, I don't know that you expand it. I think if you try to maintain or go lesser than that, yeah. But I he think he's it? a good six man. Would he take it? Uh, a I contending know. team in the Western Conference. I think that and he's he will be. Minutes. Yeah, I think a lot of teams would
2: like to have him coming off their bench. God, this is going to run to our next hour. Now you got me all fired up. Uh, Joe Ingles, yes. Obviously, he's going to stay. Ed Davis is due 5 mil. I think you buy it out and you ship him off.
1: Now he's got an expiring contract, some teams like that, to have on their rosters.
2: I think you move Ed Davis. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, obviously, is going to be extended with uh, Max deal. Tony Bradley is an intriguing. Do you just throw him to the G League because... Derek Favors is back on the market. If the Utah Jazz, rumors say that the Utah Jazz could get Derek Favors for the veteran minimum, which is sexy in the financial books for you. A guy who loves Utah, who Utah loves, who the team absolutely adores. You take that, right? You take the veteran minimum and get rid of Ed? I would love to have Derek Favors.
1: as Coming off the bench, in rare situations, you start him alongside Rudy. If you need to go big, uh, that would be a huge compliment.
2: So then you ship off Tony Bradley back to the G League. Again, he's he goes he's, till twenty one. I don't 22. know. I think
1: you keep Tony Bradley as What? As a future guy that's Derek Favors isn't gonna
2: stick with you forever. Yo. You gotta develop Tony Bradley. Can you develop him in the G League some more because he's not developing in the NBA? I don't know. We'll get to the rest of him next hour, but there's a lot of other questions you have here, including Royce O'Neill. Which I dare say, is a question mark. What? No, he is yeah. not a question hey, mark. Hey, if Tony he Bradley's, que- Bradley's available on your roster, then you're shipping off Royce O'Neill. No, yeah, you do not get rid of Royce. Uh, yes, you do. You get him help. What help? What do you mean
1: help? You get somebody so he can take a rest for a minute. No, you get help on his skills. He can't take a break. There's not another wing can defender. T- no, he who takes can come plenty in of and breaks. Break. Trust me, he takes plenty of breaks on offense. We'll keep going next hour. Stick around.
0: I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. President Trump inserted himself in a Big Ten football yesterday, but that should be nothing new. Anyone who claims sports and politics don't mix doesn't know much about the history of sports or politics. Presidents have often gotten involved in sports, or at least used them for photo ops. Go back to Teddy Roosevelt, the role he played in the development of college football in the early 20th century, or George W. Bush throwing out the first pitch of the World Series after 9-11. Trump's presidency has been intertwined with sports from the beginning, starting with his position on Colin Kaepernick in the NFL. Now the Oval Office is getting involved in an issue that none of us ever thought we would face, how to safely play college football. The Big Ten, in particular, has been tricky. When they canceled football, they were surprised by the backlash. Now football is once again in the political crosshairs in key election states. Like it or not, if you want sports to be a total escape from the real world, you probably picked the wrong year. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.